Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing Protection Magic. Also, binaural production engineer Damian Keller author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to everythingimaginable2020.com and you'll find a whole bunch of information there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is June Lundgren, and she is an animal communicator, and I don't know what the other term would be, demon slayer, exorcist, something like that, right? Something close to that. <laughs> <laughs> How are you today? Um, I'm good. I made a mad rush from Washington State home. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, Let's start off a little bit. I mean, since since uh, we're getting close to October, let's talk oh, yeah. a little bit about the demon slaying. Um, so, let's start off with uh, what exactly is a demon, and, and how do you identify a demon? That's 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 very important. Uh, a demon is a spiritual being who has who is unable to take human form. He's unable to be reborn into the physical world. The Webster's Dictionary defines it as an evil evil spirit thought to possess a man. Thing is, they don't always want to possess a human. Mm-hmm. You know, we have too much baggage. But they certainly <laughs> like to be able to influence us to make our life a living hell, so to speak. And they do it quite well. Demons come in different types. There are the old demons who are, I would say, you know, the, if they're the second down from Lucifer. And they are, they're very intelligent. They're very crafty. Um, they, they don't waste their time with us nine times out of ten because we're not worth their time and energy. And then there are the lesser demons. I liken them to hormonal teenagers. You know, they're out to wreak havoc with anyone and anything available. Mm-hmm. And they don't care how they do it. And those are the ones you're going to find most of the time in the human world, in the physical world. Interesting. And, and then there are the minions. Uh-huh. And I categorize them as a, a, a shadow person would be considered a minion. A, uh, a creepy crawly dude who are the ones that they, you see them, they look like they climb the walls, they climb the ceilings, you know, they're just, they can make themselves look like anything and everything weird, including spiders. Hmm. And then there are the like incubus and succubus and the ones that are kind of what I call the wild cards. They're like, like the old ancient Greek harpies. Uh-huh. You don't see them very often. There aren't many of them around. But when you do see them or actually experience them, you will know them. 
because it's unmistakable. They have like leather type wings. They have caught talons for hands and feet. And they like to scream a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. So where do they come from? Like, how, how did these demons end up on Earth? Well, it, you have to, to answer that, you have to go back. You have to mm -hmm. go back about a couple of million years at least. Actually, more, okay. Mike says like two billion years. And we had life on another planet in a galaxy down like star wars far far away and we had physical bodies at that time and then god the the uh, greater consciousness that we call god found us there we were a very primitive warlike society and he helped us to get rid of war get rid of famine disease we evolved over thousands of years and right before we evolved into pure energy our pursuit was our life was all about amassing knowledge and learning all that can be learned and once we had reached that point we started evolving into pure energy and it took another couple thousands of years for everyone every living being to evolve into pure energy and once they did we traveled the galaxies. We traveled as a group anywhere and everywhere. We, we watched planets be born. We watched, we looked for, uh, being, you know, uh, cre creatures, beings, uh, life forms that we could watch and study, you know, see how they work, so to speak. And several thousand years later, there arose among the souls, uh, a wish to be physical again. You know, they said, you know, we want to have children. We want to experience physical love. We want to be able to, you know, physically feel things, to feel the grass beneath our feet. You know, we're tired of this existence. We've learned all we can. Now we want to, you know, go back to a physical life to experience more things because they knew they couldn't experience anything more that way. And mm -hmm. that's when... Lucifer is, and his followers said, no way. This is not what we want. We do not want to be, uh, we do not want to be subject to disease, to growing old, to pain. We don't want any of that. We don't have to have anything to do with it. So that's where the division arose. And that started the quote unquote war between heaven and hell. Uh, once it was over and Michael disarmed Lucifer and Ariel disarmed his son, God told him, you know what? I would never have forced you to live, go back to a physical body. He said, that was your choice, but you chose to take it like I was forcing everyone. He says, you can't live among us. So um, he opened a rift into a dark dimension and he put them in there. He told them, this will be your kingdom from now on. You can't live among us. And then he sealed the dimension. And they were fine with it at first. They're like, yeah, we don't have to do any of that stuff. We can have our own, you know, Lucifer's like, I got my own place, got my own kingdom. No problem. Right. But over the centuries, he's, <clears throat> they've become angry and resentful and vengeful. And so that's why they will attack 
a human being because each human being contains a white light soul and they want revenge. So they'll do it by any means they can. And the best means that they can find is to make your life a living hell. You know, make you see things, make you hear things that aren't there, make you think you're going crazy. Um, they'll attack you physically. They can, you know, they can do things to your home, like break, you know, you can have like a washing machine break down 10,000 times. Uh, you know, uh, you can get like black stuff in your bathtub that's out of nowhere. Nobody knows where it come from. Um, you can find things on the walls, you know, blood on the walls, which is not really blood, but you would perceive it as blood. They do all kinds of things to you. It's like, it's not like it's a, their one trick pony. They can do anything and everything that would, that would make you crazy, make mm -hmm. you upset, make you mad. And they'll even attack your animals and kill them. Mm. They don't care. Anything that's close to you, anything that's important to you is what they aim for. And they know what it is because what they will do is if they, the creepy crawly dudes will go and they'll seek out victims and they'll watch the victim. They'll watch their, their victim and they'll learn everything that they can about them, their habits, uh, what's important to them, what's, you know, how they work how their faith is, do they have, are they, you know, do they have substance abuse issues? Do they have abusive home? You know, they find out all this stuff. And when they think they have enough info, they'll take it to their boss, which is a lesser demon. And he will in turn watch. He will watch. He will go into the person's mind. He will look for their uh, concept of what a demon should look like. And he will, present himself eventually when he decides to attach himself which can be months it can be years later they can watch you for and you don't even know it but once they've got all the information they decide whether they want to attach themselves or whether they want to walk away and nine times out of ten you know they'll attach and then they will begin the process of it'll start out with little things you'll feel like you're being watched air will be heavy uh, things will be moved you'll have nightmares you'll have physical problems you know all kinds they can body aches you know they can even activate cancerous cells in your body and they do this and then they they're whispering in your ear you know you'll never be free of us nobody will believe you nobody will help you you know we're going to kill you we're going to kill your animals you're going to kill your children you know the whole gambit and they say it every day day in day out kind of like brainwashing and pretty soon you believe it you you know you believe that if you don't obey them if you don't you know do what they say then they're going to kill the ones you love that's terrible they're mean it is they don't care they find it amusing hmm. So why, I, I mean, I, well, actually, I understand why they would want revenge on humans. But is there any other motive? Like, did they benefit in any other way other than just um, being angry and vengeful? Like, do they use human beings' by, uh, energy to make them stronger or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, they use, they use the, um, they elicit in a person anger, jealousy, uh, depression, uh, 
you know, uh, suicidal thoughts, anything that's a negative emotion, and it it gives you negative energy, and they feed off of the negative energy. It's like, you know, they get stronger from it. And that's why they try to induce fear in the individual, because they it produces this negative energy, which they feed off of. And they just get, you know, that they get stronger, you get weaker. Hmm. Wow. So once a person has a negative entity attached to them, how do you decide or or how tell whether it is a negative uh, a negative entity, demon, whatever, um, causing the issues rather than just plain bad luck? Or is there no difference between bad luck and demonic possession? A lot of people, a lot of people will think, you know, it's just, I'm just, you know, I'm a jinx. Uh, I'm cursed. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I have nothing but bad luck. I have a black cloud hanging over me. And, you know, that's just the way it is. It's just how I am. And I, one such case, I was in Las Vegas promoting my first book. And I was doing readings and all of a sudden I told my host, I said, um, somebody's coming to the door and that person has a demon attached to him. And I said, she says, I don't have anybody scheduled to come. And I said, it doesn't matter. I said, they're here. Next thing she knows, the doorbell rings. And I told her, I said, bring her in and I need to sit down and talk to her because I had given my hostess black salt to lay down around her home, the demon could not make it any farther than the sidewalk. The demon couldn't come in. But I sat her down and I, she says like, she says all my life I've had this dark cloud hanging over my head. When I was about three years old, I was in a car accident with my parents. My parents died in the car accident and I was dead for a moment or two and something dark, I saw something dark and then I came back into my body. And she says, ever since then, everything that could go wrong in my life has gone wrong. She says, I try to, you know, try to be prayerful. I try to be spiritual. And it seems like something doesn't want me to be that way. And I told her, I said, you have a demon attachment. I said, it's, it's standing out on the sidewalk having a cow because it can't come in. I said, that's why what you brought back with you was a demon. And she's like, oh, my God. So I removed the demon. And I told her, I said, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. And because she was never able to go anywhere or do anything. And her parents left her well off. But it, her, she had an older brother, half brother, that had his hands in the cookie jar and was taking all the money from her and everything. And... After that, she wrote me, sent me an email from Europe. She says, my brother's in, my half brother's in jail. I have my money. I am touring Europe like I've always wanted to do. And she said, thank you so much. She said, I haven't had a bad day since. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, this is the thing. You know, some people ask me, you know, how can you tell whether it's, if it's a demon or whether it's mental illness? And that's a very good question. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people, yeah. you know, in the two things. But 
the thing is with Ariel, you know, because Ariel resides within me. So I can see what is there and I can see what's not there. Whether it, whether you get an email, whether I get a picture or whether I talk to the individual, I know if there's nothing there, you know, like I had a lady contact me and she's like, you know, I've got demons and, and everything's bad's happening and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I said, send me a pictures so I can validate what I see. And I told, I called her back and I told her, listen, there's no demons there. I said, you have an ex-boyfriend? I said, that was very abusive to you and he's dead, right? She's like, yeah. I said, that's him. I said, you have, you have PTSD from living with him for 20 years and being constantly abused. I said, you know, you need to go get counseling. This is very important for you to get counseling. I said, you don't have to worry about the demons. It's not them. I said, it was the, it was the spirit of your ex-boyfriend, which I removed. And I said, you have to be very careful about that sort of thing. I said, just, and she got counseling. So I was glad that she was able to, to get counseling that she needed. But she was bound to determined that, that, mm-hmm. that there was, it was a demon. Hmm. So I told her, I said, no, it's just him. So when you encounter a demon, you, you, you've come across somebody and you're like, okay, they have a demon. What is the process of removal? Do you do like an exorcism and throw crosses and Bibles at them or or, or say prayers and holy I water or I how, like, that, how do you do uh, it? I leave that for the priest, the Catholic priest. Thanks. I don't have to because uh, when I died in 1988 in a motorcycle accident, I went to the other side and my grandparents were there waiting for me and Michael the Archangel was there. And he said, you know, you're not here to stay. You're here only to understand who and what you are and what your job needs to be in this lifetime. And I'm like, okay. He says, who are you? I said, I'm just me. He said, no. He said, that's the physical body. That's the physical consciousness. He said, your soul is Ariel the Archangel. She was sent back to Earth to relive physical world lives until she learned to have compassion for mankind. He said in 1198 A.D., a woman asked for help because she was possessed by a demon. And Ariel was sent to remove the demon. Well, Ariel just ripped the demon out of the woman's body and and the body died. And God told, you know, she was summoned before God. And he told her, he says, this is unacceptable. You can't be doing this. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. And she argued, you know, this this woman actually summoned the demon. And then she calls for help. She was very upset about that. And he goes, this is not the first time this has happened. You are going to, you're going to be sentenced to go back and live physical world lives until you learn to have compassion for mankind. So this is life number 131. So when I was over there, Michael said that this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be demon slaying that's what you are here you are the you're an elite demon slayer and that's what you've been in all your physical life so this life is no different i'm like okay so you didn't give me a manual on how to do it (laughs) you know 
And he's mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. And he says, I have to do what I call a merge with you and your, with your physical consciousness and your soul consciousness. I'm like, what will that do? He says, it will enable you to see what she sees, hear what she hears, experience what she experiences. You will be able to know when a demon is even a hundred miles away that you can sense them coming. You just wait for the other shoot to drop. And so he did that for me and it was quite interesting. It didn't hurt or anything, but people tell me that when she comes forward, you know, they can physically see wings coming out of my shoulders. My eyes turn white and my face looks like it's about 20 years old and my voice changes. And I never paid much attention to it because I had been doing it for a long time before somebody pointed it out. People always looked at me different, but I just assumed it was because I was doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But they're like, uh, no, this is what we see. <laughs> I'm like, oh, haven't you ever? I said, I don't care. So the thing is, I'm busy taking out the demon. I don't care. In order to take it out, she has to come forward. You have to understand that thought becomes reality in the dark realm and in the light realm. And when she comes forward, she has like, I guess the best way to say it would be an astral body. And she goes into the realm between the worlds, between the veils. And that's how she can get to them. And she fights them. It's, it's a, it's like uh, old style fighting. It's, it's swords. Uh, white light swords and the demons have dark swords it's made of dark energy the white light sword to made a white light energy and to kill a demon you have to be able to slice through it and i remember the first time i saw her slicing through it the molecules it suddenly like turned into molecules like sand and it drifted out into space and that's where it remained and I asked her about it, and she said, when demons die, there is no coming back. There is no return. It's not like when a human dies. You can come back again and start all over again. But a demon cannot. It ceases to exist. Hmm. So, um, interesting. Yeah, so many questions. Like, once the, when, when, when the demon is, <laughs> one is, Actually, can the demon ever win against Ariel? No. No. It's, she's. I asked Michael much the same, and she and he said no. He said you have to understand. Before, before the war between heaven and hell, says God always knew that Lucifer would be trouble, that he would cause problems. It was a matter of when it would happen, not if it would happen. So he created, he took the strongest of the archangels, the most powerful of the archangels, and he created the Legion of Light. The Legion of Light is comprised of Michael, Raphael, Gabriel, and Ariel. They are the elite. And he had them, in turn, train warrior angels, and they, in turn, trained more warrior angels, and so on. Because he knew that it would happen. It was just a matter of when. And so he chose the most powerful, the most strong, the strongest and the most cunning of the archangels. And they have never failed. 
And Michael disarmed Lucifer. He could have killed him, but he didn't because God would not permit it. And Ariel could have killed his son. At the time, it was not permitted. She killed him later. But it, they are the best of the best. She doesn't fail. Even Lucifer, because I have, it's funny, because Lucifer speaks to Ariel from time to time. And so I'm privy to their conversations. And a um, friend of mine in Scotland, he has the Archangel Hanel inside of him. Hanel and Lucifer were great friends before the war. They mm. were the closest thing that he could come to being a lifelong friend. And he does not, he does not fault him for fighting for what he believes in, even though he chose the white light side. So from time to time, he stops by to see Hano. And my friend says, El was here again. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, he seems to be dropping by frequently. And I said, okay, well, ask him what he thinks about Ariel. And so the next time he came by, he asked him what he thought about Ariel. And his words were, uh, fear of the assassin. Hmm. Because he knows it wouldn't, Ariel would not even hesitate to go into the dark realm and kill him. It's not like it's an issue for her. If Ariel, so that means, can Ariel kill Lucifer? She can. So so why not just do it and get the whole thing she, over she, with? Um, she chooses not to. He has respect for the Legion, and he has respect for God and Jesus, because he knows his, he knows which side his bread is buttered on, so to speak. He is maintaining control down there, and the moment he doesn't maintain control is when he will be taken out. It's like, I've heard her tell him, I'll take you out. It's not a problem. I'll put somebody else in your place who can control things if you don't take care of business. So he knows that. And so he tries to toe the mark, so to speak, in the way that if she has an issue with him or one of the demons, then, you know, he's going to take care of business. Hmm. It, there's a balance there's a fine balance you know the yin and yang the good and the bad side if you killed off all the demons today it would throw everything out of balance you know like I said the yin and yang the good and the bad they they balance each other out so the, if, if there's a balance then why do people want to get rid of demonic attachments to begin with because they're just a part of the natural balance it wouldn't Slaying those demons um, make the balance unbalanced. Not, not really, because there's not enough of them that are slain. Ninety percent of the ones that Ariel comes in contact with return. She sends them back to the dark. It's the ones that are causing significant problems, like um, there. There were three demons. Back when in the, when Hitler was running things in Germany, there were three demons. One was attached to Hitler, one was attached to Rommel, and one was attached to Gehring. And they and God heard the cry from the people, his people, and he sent the three archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Ariel, to kill the demons. 
because they were causing so much death and destruction. It was incredible. So he's, that's, that was when, you know, Hitler was very, very good at making sure that none of these people, none of the top people were in the same room at the same time all together. They were kept separate. Hmm. This was one time when all of them were together towards the end of the war. And that's when the, the uh, archangels killed them. And that's when Germany started to fall. Without the negatives on their side, they could not sustain. Mm. So that, see, that was an imbalance right there. They were, you know, tipping the balance to the dark side rather than the light. So the light had to come in and take out the dark in order to rebalance things. They were, all three of them were killed, so. So, so they were responsible for the, basically the Holocaust? Yep. They were whispering in their ears. They were influencing them. It was quite interesting. Ariel showed me what happened and how it happened. And it was, it was quite interesting to see that. I had never seen anything like that before. Hmm. So in modern affairs, how much uh, pain and suffering can be attributed to uh, demonic attachment? There's, okay, um, Napoleon had a demon attached to him. Uh, Hitler had a demon attached to him. Julius Caesar had a demon attached to him. There's quite a few that had, even some popes have had demon attachments. I mean, stop and think about it. What better way is there to control humankind than to get a religious leader and control him? I mean, really, you control hundreds of thousands of people. Hmm. Why not? Yeah. So would you say that the um, higher echelon of people would be more susceptible to demonic possession rather than the ordinary working guy like myself right we're talking about influence you know attachment which is influence position is totally different they don't want to possess these people they want to influence them to cause harm to mankind in some way so they pick the ones that have the most influence the most ability to cause harm by making a decision that influences millions of people. Hmm. Um, so have, have you ever received calls from, from influential people asking you to remove uh, demonic entities from them? Nope, and I probably won't either because when they don't even know that, A, they don't know they have it there, they don't have it attached, they don't know that, and B, even if they did, they're on, some of them, they're on a roll. They're not going to, you know, turn off the moneymaker, so to speak. Why would they? It's like the cabal that's in the, you know, that's, that controls all the finances and stuff like that, world affair. I mean, they're, they're not going to question it. True. Definitely they're going to just true. go with it. They're going to go with it because it gives them power. 
give them money. So when you do this, like like say for example, you know, I had a demonic attachment and you were going to um, rid me of it. How would that go down? What would it look like? You could be sitting like where you are right now and minding your own business. And I could see the demon behind you. And I would simply kill it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even know it was happening. You would only know after, after its death because there would be a change, a change in the way you're feeling, a change in the way you're thinking for the better. You'll feel lighter. Um, you won't be making, your health will improve. Your uh, emotional balance will return. I'll, I also do a white light cleansing upon the individual and their home and anybody else that resides within the home so that because if you don't, if the person remains, if the dark energy of the attachment remained within the person's cells or their home, you know, because it's, uh, their surfaces are porous in the home, so they absorb the energy. Then it then it would attract other demons. So you have to actually cleanse the energy out of the home, the land, you know, the people within, the animals within, so that you don't, so that there's never any trace. So a demonic uh, attachment can turn into a demonic infestation. Oh yeah, I've been in on. I've been brought in for, there are like five to eight demons in a location. It's ridiculous. I was, I did a radio show called, um, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, uh, back in 2017. Uh, he did a four hour special on me. And one of the people that connected with me was a woman who was a possession case. And she's like, I need help. I've been do- I've been dealing with this for 20 years. And I'm like, send me a picture. So when she sent me the picture, I'm like, really? Okay. And I asked my friend, who's an ordained minister, I said, would you like to come? I said, God told me that you really need to come with me to this. He, he said, you fear the dark ones. And you cannot fear the dark ones and serve him in this manner. So he came with me, and then the girl that was a part of my Ghosts and Girls Paranormal group, she came with me, and we, we got to the apartment complex. I knocked on the door. The woman opened the door, but it wasn't the woman. Her eyes were black, and she growled and told me in Aramaic, get the hell away from me, and slammed the door. And my friends are looking at me like, what was that? I'm like, oh, don't worry about it, just demon. Knock the door again. The woman answered without the demon in the in the for, in full possession. So we went inside. It took three. She had eleven demons within her. It took three hours to pull out ten of those. One still remained. And I have the ability to look inside the demon's mind to see why it's there, what attracted it. And those type of thing. So I looked into its mind and saw that it was hiding out from Lucifer. Lucifer had given it an assignment and it simply didn't do it. It walked away. So it had been hiding out for something like 10 years. And uh, 
I told it, I said, I know why, I know what you're afraid of. I know you're afraid that Lucifer's going to find you. And I said, what about if you could go home? Would you like to go back to the light? And it questions that like, I can't go back to light. I said, if you are truly repentant and you want to return, I said, I can ask Jesus to come and help you. He's like, you can? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you know. And I said, Jesus, come forth. And my friends were standing in front of me, and they parted as this huge arm and hand came out towards the woman. And I told him, I said, I told the demon, I said, there you go. You want to go home? Take his hand. And he backed off. He said, no, 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 you're lying. You're lying. You know, you always lie. So Jesus withdrew his hand. I said, so be it. I said, Lucifer, come forth. And Lucifer appeared at the end of the hallway and walked towards where we were. All three of us, all four of us were there. And my what my friends saw was a black entity with wearing like a fedora, double-breasted suit, spats, that type of thing. That's how he made them perceive him. And they just, they were freaked out. And he came up and, and uh, he told the demon, you know, come with me. Now, the demon's like, no, 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 I'm not leaving the body. And Lucifer looked at me and said, I know you don't want me to kill the woman. So I will be back for the demon later. And he turned around, walked away, and disappeared. And we all went home after that. And 3 a.m., we all woke up in our respective beds to hear it's done. So I called the woman the next day, and she says, like, it's been over 20 years since I felt free. I said, please, 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 get some counsel. You have PTSD, get counsel. So she promised me she would, and, and last I heard of her, she was in counsel. That's awesome. So when you do this type of um, demon slaying, do you have to be physically present, or can you also no. do it remotely? Oh, I do it remotely. I do a lot of it remotely. I've done it as far away as the Netherlands, Australia. All I need is a picture or uh, email or a phone call. Hmm. The minute I make that connection, I know what's there. I know what's there. I know what its name is. I know how it found the individual and what it's doing to the individual. So how common is this? How, like, like, how many people have demons attached to them? Is it like one out of ten? You know? I would say it's one out of 10,000. Now, it used to be one out of 500,000. Mm -hmm. But in the last 13 years, it's increasing. And over the last year and a half, two years, it's gotten worse because uh, this COVID thing is bringing people are, a lot of people are walking around with fear, anxiety, uh, you know, frustration, anger. You know, all of these negative emotions are just bringing them out of the woodwork. Mm -hmm. There's more in the world right now than ever before. I mean, in night in January 25th issue of Newsweek, 2018, the Vatican even went so far as to 
be interviewed and say, we are doing more exorcisms than ever before in our history. Hmm. They are training more exorcists. Is this because, are we at a point where it is the end of time, do you think? Where all the demons are just rising out of hell and taking over? No, this is not end of time. End of time will not come in our lifetime or our children's children's lifetime. It is, you have to see, it's kind of like an ocean wave. It crests and then it goes down and and for for years it'll be minimal and then it'll crest again. Things that happen, wars bring it on. Um, you know, this, this fact, this, uh, COVID stuff brings it on, you know, the Black Plague, uh, the Spanish flu, you know, anything like that, where thousands of people are involved, thousands of people, uh, end up either dead or ill from it, or it produces a lot of worry, a lot of pain, a lot of frustration, a lot of depression, anxiety. You notice in every time of those that's when the, the crests have appeared right that makes a lot of sense once a demon is attached to a person and let's say that person dies does the demon stay attached to that person's soul in the afterlife the demon can hold on to the soul and basically hold it prisoner and it has to find help somehow what demon people don't realize that if you have a location that is like, I create a black, I make a black salt. I was given the recipe by Michael and, and God, and it's blessed by God at every step in the making of it. So if you have an, a location that's sealed with, with my black salt, it's never failed in 48 years, um, then they cannot pass it. It's like a, a force field. They can't pass through it. They can't pass the line. But what they'll do is they'll send an earthbound spirit past the line because it's not it's not any proof against earthbound spirits it's only in inhumans they will send that person who that soul that's a slave in there to give the person you know nightmares they'll have them attack the person to have them poke them pull them out of bed uh, all kinds of things they can do that where they cannot and they send the earthbound Mm-hmm. So, they, so, so they can actually hold a person captive after they die. Right. Wow. How That's many, why you how, never how, want how, to how, die how, with a demon attached. Yeah. To you. <laughs> like, I'm wondering, like, like, how many people, how many dead souls are out there that are being held captive? There aren't that many. Um, usually, the lesser demons don't have a brain to do that. It's usually the old demons that will do that. It's a, it's a trick that they're, they're fond of. So if, if there is one, it's usually an old demon that's doing an assignment for Lucifer or one that's seeking revenge on someone that's, say, in another lifetime, you removed it and you sent them back to the dark where you got the best of them. So they will come into They'll come into the physical world to seek revenge upon that person. Each soul has a different harmonic. So they know and remember the harmonics of that soul, that particular soul, whether it's in a physical body now or 
you know, or 80 years ago. Doesn't make no difference. They are tuned to the harmonics of that soul. Hmm. So I want to seek revenge. So I know that you have had communications with Lucifer. What is he up to these days? Uh, he's trying. He's <laughs> he's got a lot of problems right now. Um, he came to me a couple of months ago. He said, "You know, there's there's a problem." We are having a lot of rogue demons, ones that are not willing to listen to him, ones that are not willing to abide by his rules. And he's like, something needs to be done. I'm like, Ariel's like, what are you looking at me for? And she, he's like, it pains me to say this, but if you find a rogue demon, can you please let me know? And Ariel's like, why? She's, he said, so I can kill it. And I'm like, and Ariel's like, I'll just kill it for you. And he's like, what do you want to return? Because, you know, because he's the type, like so many people, that if I, if I, you do something for me, what, you know, what do you want to return type of thing? Mm -hmm. And he gets, she's like, okay, the price will be a favor. You will owe me a favor. And he's like, what kind of favor? And she's like, nope, you'll owe me a favor. Leave it at that. And he's like, deal. Wow. I can't believe he bought that. Oh, oh, he's desperate. That tells you how desperate he is to control these rogue demons. Because they do not answer to him. They do not answer to the rest of the old demons. They are sick and tired of his control and his way of doing things. So they're, they're coming into the physical world on their own and they don't conform to, shall we say, protocols, demon protocols. Why does Lucifer want his demons to follow rules? I mean, he, him himself, I would imagine, was a bit of an anarchist. Oh, yeah, he was. But stop and think about it. Hitler wanted people to follow his rules. You know, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, you know, all these butt heads that were, you know, world conquerors, so to speak, they, you know, they could do as they wanted, but you better follow my rules. It's the same thing with him. He wants them to follow, do as I do, do as I tell you to. What are some of his rules? There, there should, and one of his rules is like, you cannot kill a soul before it's time. That's a rule that each each demon, people think that demons don't know. Demons know your future. Demons know when you're going to die. They don't know the exact date, but they know a ballpark figure. Like they can't tell you it's going to be Tuesday at 10 o'clock, mm -hmm. but they can tell you it's going to be, you know, sometime within the month of October or sometime within the month of September. They, they have that much information. So they... They are not allowed to uh, kill anyone that has, you know, their timeline within that. They have, they have to just leave. They can't do it. They can torture them all they want, but they can't kill them. They can't. They must obey him. They must have respect for the Legion. But there are so the the old ones do have the respect for the Legion, but. As I said, the young ones 
You know, they're like hormonal teenagers. They don't want to listen to the old demons. They don't want to listen to Lucifer. The only thing they understand is to snap them back. Do you think that there's a possibility um, that there'll be a third hierarchy of beings, like have the angels in heaven, the angels that follow Lucifer, and then a separate group of angels uh, doing their own thing? There are angels that are, a lot of the archangels kind of do their own thing. They don't, um, every one of them has a job to do, but it's their discretion on how they do the job. Mm. He doesn't say, well, you've got to go point A to point B to point C. You know, you have to do it in that way. It's like, he doesn't say that. He just says, this is the end result. This is what we want to achieve. Get the end result. Even if you have to scare the person or you have to show yourself, because normally they don't show themselves to the living, not physically. But if it's something that's very, very important, something that needs life changing, then they're allowed to show themselves. And they have that discretion whether to show themselves or not, or whether to intervene or not. Some of that can be difficult. Hanel, for example, Hanel was one of the archangels, one of the first that were trained under the Legion of Light. And he is back here to live a physical world life because he made a poor decision. There were, there was a plane that was crashing. He heard the children cry out and wanted to, you know, keep them from having the physical impact of the crash. So he jerked out their soul consciousness before the plane crashed, not knowing, not thinking he was impulsive, not thinking that these children, two of these children were supposed to survive the crash. So he made a mistake. He, he acted impulsively. So Michael in that moment, after he jerked out their soul, put it back in right away because he knew that these two were these two were due to survive the plane crash. But Hano was taken to task for it because he acted impulsively. He has a big heart and he cares about him, but he acted incorrectly. So God told him, you know what? I'm gonna send you back to relive a physical life so you understand. Right. So, like I said, it does, there, there are problems sometimes. Hmm. But, you know, they have to learn. Archangels have to learn. A lot of people say, oh, the angels know how I feel. They know, uh, you know, they know I'm, I'm afraid. They know I'm, I'm feeling sad. They, they, they know how I feel. But people don't understand. Archangels have not had physical existence for billions of years. It's, they know the concept of fear. They know the concept of pain, but they do not know the emotions, the true emotions associated with them, with these things. Right. And whenever Ariel returns to the other side, when a lifetime ends, she lets them feel the emotions through her because otherwise they would have a hard time understanding. They just know the concept. They don't know the actual 
emotion. Interesting. Um, so, why did God expect obedience from Lucifer to begin with? He, he expected it because he, he was too lenient, is what it was. You know, Lucifer told him that. He said, you know what? You're too lenient. When, when he was, um, when, when the war ended and he was taken, he was defeated. He said, you're too lenient. You do not know how to be strong. You do not know how to just cut off the snake's head, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And God said, if you think that I'm too lenient, so be it. He said, and that's when he put them into the dark realm. He said, I said, here's your, here's your, a time when I will not be lenient. You and all your followers will go into the dark realm and you will never be able to return again unless you repent, unless you change. And even then, Lucifer didn't think that was enough punishment. If it was me, he said, I would have killed us. I would have killed us all. And it's like God said, you know, you're not me. I choose. So why he is God want to? He always wanted. To, go mm -hmm. ahead. Why is God doing all this to begin with? Like, why did God create all this to begin with? Like, like what is He doing? He existed long before he's uh, omnipotent. You know, he's, I mean, he, he's immortal. He existed. He's made out of complex, pure energy. And when we see him, when I went to the other side and I see him, you know, it, our human brains are not, cannot actually make sense out of him. So he shows himself in a form that we would be able to handle that we would be able to understand our brain could understand but i asked him i said why do you even bother with us half the time people go the wrong direction people do things they shouldn't do they do horrible things and he said you're all my children you all have to learn the lesson whether it be good or bad he said once you learn the lesson and you grow and you understand the entire concept, then you can, you can remain here. But until you learn everything that needs to be learned, you will, re you will return to human form. He doesn't make us return. The soul, soul makes themselves return if they say they never had an, uh, a lifetime where they died of cancer or they got hit by a truck or, you know, they fell down a shaft got killed they want to experience the the death the actual death they want to experience the birth they want to experience being a wife a mother uh, a plumber you know a carpenter whatever it's all about the experience that's the whole reason we come back is because we want to have experiences we haven't had before in other lifetimes hmm. um is he doing it, though, because he himself has not had the experience? And is he able to appear in human form and have the same experiences as us? And if so, then, then again, like, why wouldn't he just have done it himself? That's the thing. He cannot 
it's kind of like you're you're the cog, the big cog. You're the you're the you're the engine, and you have these little cogs and these little pieces that make up the engine. And if the engine stops running, everything kind of drops down. So he is like the key to everything. He's the key. We're like the cogs. We're the engine parts. Mm-hmm. He experiences it through, like when Jesus came down. He experiences it through his son, because that's the only way he can do it. He experiences it through the archangels when they're reborn. Every time Ariel returns, she meets with him, and she give and she lets him feel all the emotions that she went through in that lifetime so that he can begin to understand what we're going through down here, what what our world is like. It's not like Jesus has only been here once. He's been here many times. But each time he comes down, he lives the life. He was he died at nine years old in a concentration camp during the Holocaust. He come he came down to experience what the people were going through, what humans were going through at that particular time. Like, you know, like Stone Age, uh, you know, the Black Plague days, um, even today's, you know, because the world changes and the way of humans think changes right along with it. And so he's trying to keep up with the, up with the, the program, so to speak. That's why the Old Testament was created for people of that time. Everything is cut and dried. Black is black, white is white. There is no in-between. And then when Jesus came down and he experienced the life, that's when the New Testament was written. And it changed dramatically. It's not an eye for an eye anymore. It's, you know, turn the other cheek. So it's all about being able to experience what man's going through and the changes man is going through, the world is going through. And he, since he can't come down here, and you can't really tell by simply watching, you know, you have to experience it. And the only way he can do that is to send his son down or to send an archangel down. And they, in turn, can show what, you know, they can, in turn, can help him to feel everything that they went through. There are eight archangels in the world today. I know where all of them are but one that are reborn in human form. So there is a lot of us. You know, eight is a lot to have in the world at one time. With the warrior angels, oh my God, there are over 300,000 warrior angels that are walking among us in physical form. They are, they are being reborn to try to return the balance because the balance is skewed. So how does all this end? Will there ever be a time when these dark spirits will all be able to rise back up and go back into the light? I don't know. And that's one of the things that, I mean, I can see the future and Ariel can see the future, but it's in flux. There are, when I look at the future, I see different timelines. When I look today, say, I see... 12 life timelines. Mm-hmm. When I look a month from now, I'll see eight timelines. These are possibilities. These are things that can happen or, but not what will happen. These are all possibilities. It's like 
funny. It's like looking at, uh, you know, 12 different movies and it's playing out. They're almost the same, but there's a little bit difference in each one of them. And you, and as, as time goes on, these will change. They, some will fade away. Some, some will be added to it. Some will just cease to exist altogether. It's in flux. It's too hard to tell. I mean, I, I keep hoping that they'll learn and that they'll change, but I'm not going to hold my breath on it. Mm-hmm. I've only come across one demon that changed. Um, I'll call him Herb. About two years ago, I was removing a demon from a warehouse and there were like five or six of them and it was back in Chicago and I removed the demons. And so the, the gentleman that was using the warehouse, um, moved after that and I told the demons I would let them come back into the warehouse I could have it back because they were bound to determined so I'm like okay you can have it back you know there's nobody here to worry about so go for it but one of the demons came to me about three or four months later and I'm like what's up with that he looked different physically he looked different he was more of a gray color Normally, demons are pitch black, and there is no light to them. This demon had light to him. And all demons have a little spark of light still left in them. Most of the time, when something triggers it, they squelch it down so that it doesn't grow. Well, this guy let it grow. And he's like, I call him Herb. I'm not going to say his demonic name. But he's like, I said, what's up with you? I said, what did you do? He says, I let it grow. I said, why? He said, I want to do something different. I want to do something for the humans. I'm like, that's a change of tune. He's like, once the light grew, he said, I, my mind changed. The way I think changed. And I said, well, what do you want to do? He says, I want Ariel to speak to Lucifer to see if he will allow me to become a bridge, a liaison between the living and the dark. I'm like, I don't know about that. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. so he says, well, so Ariel went to Lucifer and Ariel said, you know, Herb here, he wants to do this. He wants, you know, is, is it allowed? And he says, well, I need to talk to the old demons and we have to get a consensus here. So a couple of days later, I got a, I got a, uh, I got word from him that he would allow it. I told her, I said, I said he's going to allow it. I said, go for it. I said, if you need, you need anything, holler. There have been a couple of times when he's asked for my help. You know, he's asked for Ariel's help, and she's had him do little, little things for her to watch things, watch people, that sort of thing. Hmm. Is there ever time or instances um, other than one you just sort of mentioned where demons are helpful to humans? No. Well, I I can't really say that because when someone summons a demon and the person's thinking, oh, you're going to serve me, the demon will help the person for a little bit as long as it pleases them. Mm-hmm. And then 
they'll turn on them in a heartbeat and make their life a living hell. But that's the only time I've ever heard of them doing something they want. Hmm. Only because it suits their purpose. Is there any connection between demons and the stories about the Nephilim? Okay, the Nephilim are what... It's not like you think I would be considered a Nephilim. Because my soul belongs to Ariel. And she she resides within me. So that makes her... That makes me kind of like half angel, half human. But I could... Because... I can bring her forward. She comes out. You know, anyone like me, um, that's, that in itself is different. We're considered, I guess we're what would be called Nephilim. If people with warrior angels inside of them, same thing. It's not like they come down to have sex with humans and, and mm. then you get a kid. You know, mm. it's not that way. That's not, that's not the re, that's not what a Nephilim truly is. Hmm. Interesting. Um. So 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 there was never a race of giants caused by the Nephilim. No. Huh. So, with um, like, what is it that like are, are demons ever responsible for? Things like addiction and stuff like that? Sure. What better way to control an individual? You stop and think about it. They're responsible for substance abuse. If a person already has a, a, a addictive personality, they will amplify that and cause them to not be able to get out, you know, to, to seek out drugs or alcohol, whatever and not be able to get out of it. It'll be forever, as long as the demon's attached to them, it'll be forever happening to them. They may die that way. I've had cases where I've stepped in where that's what's happened. And I had one in particular down in New Mexico. He had been into drugs heavily for the last five or six years. And he knew that something wasn't right. He knew that there was, he kept trying and trying and trying to get away from them, to get, you know, stop his body from craving them. So he got a hold of me one day. I said, send me a picture. I said, we'll, we'll see what's going on. He sent me a picture and I'm like, yeah, no wonder you can't. There's demonic attachment. So I told him, I said, listen, I'm going to, you have a demon attack. I'm going to take the demon away. I said, you know, it should feel better within a day or two. And he never had another drug after that. Hmm. And that's been a couple of years ago from that day forward. So, so they look for people's vulnerabilities. They do. They find out, you know, do you have strong faith? Uh, are you easily influenced? Uh, what do you crave? Do you crave power? Do you crave, you crave power? Do you crave, um, you know, money? Do you crave sex? Do you, you want to, you know, get seek revenge on someone. Anything that they can do to, you know, to use it against them, their weakness. Mm-hmm. And they'll use these and they'll amplify them. And if you have, like, if there's no 
distension in your family or your relationship with an individual, they will create it because they love chaos. And to create chaos and distension will isolate the individual away from their support system. And that's what they're all about. Wow. Because it makes you vulnerable. That's good to know. Um, so, so how do you determine when, uh, like, like actually, like, do they ever just go away on their own? Do they ever yeah, just get bored of an individual and like, sometimes all right, too. I'm tired of this guy. I'm, I'm just going to go and find a, if, a better if not, host. If, yeah. If you're not producing, you know, the desired effects, if you're not willing, you know, if you don't have any power of your own and, you know, they find that they've done everything they can to make your life miserable, eh, they'll find greener pastures, they'll leave. Hmm. But it takes a while for that to happen. I mean, like years. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen overnight. I wish it would. Yeah. I mean, that's good, though. You yeah, know, they do eventually just, go away on their just own. Leave. But, but it's, it's years. I mean, and you've been put to the ringer. <laughs> by the time, you know, by the time they're ready to give up and leave. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so before we wrap this up, where is the best place for my listeners to find you? Um, they can go to demonseer.com. That's my website. Or they, but it's down right now being upgraded. Mm-hmm. But they can get, they can get a hold of me on, um, Facebook. Just type in June Lundgren or Demons here and it'll pop up. And you can send me a message. But once my website's back up and running, <laughs> it's being, it's being revamped. Right. So it's about time I had an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> or you can send an email to, uh, demonseer1 at aol.com. Awesome. Well, I'll post a, a link, um, in the notes of this episode so people can get in touch with you in case they um, need you to help them out with any type of uh, demon issues or maybe if they just simply want some more information. Yeah, a lot of times people just ask me questions. I've got one sitting in my inbox right now from Russia. (laughs) (laughs) Wanting advice. So it's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) I I try to answer them within a week, but... You know, I worked full time as a nurse. You know, mm-hmm. I worked eighty hours a week. It's, I only my downtime is the weekends and and Wednesday afternoons. Oh yeah, I hear you. I fall behind on stuff all the time. Yeah, I try to I try to be expedient, but until I retire at the end of next month, uh, it's going to wait a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh great! Uh, thank you for taking the time to be on and, and talking with me today. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy talking with you. Yeah, it's fun. And uh, hang on for one moment, and I'm just going to play the outro. All right.
www.everythingimaginable2020.com.